Welcome to the Weekly Beat by Mansa with your hosts Arnold Segawa, Maggie Mutesi, and Dumi Jere, giving you all the info on Africa's big finance and economic stories. The Weekly Beat by Mansa. A warm welcome to uh, this edition of the Weekly Beat, of course, brought to you by Mansa. Um, I'm Arnold Segawa, and of course, as always, I'm joined by my partners in crime and uh, co-hosts, uh, Maggie Mutesi and uh, Dumi Jerry. I've been warned that I always put Maggie first. This time around, Dumi, how are you doing? I understand you have crossed the border yet again. I'm doing very well, my brother. Yep. I'm uh, currently in Ezuluini in uh, Eswatini. Uh, so yes, change of scenery, change of weather. It was boring earlier on. Uh, currently, it's just cloudy. Uh, Maggie Mutasi joining us from uh, Nairobi, Kenya. Maggie, how is it going there? We're okay in Nairobi. Um, we've gone back to lockdown. Um, this is what we saw last year, same time where, you know, we're all confined within the city. There have been a lot of cases with COVID-19, so we've been locked down for a couple of weeks as the numbers go down. Other than that, um, it's not different from, mm. from last year, I should say. Definitely. Uh, of course, one of the biggest stories uh, this particular week happens to be uh, the 220,000 uh, ton. That's, of course, uh, a ship that has caused quite a traffic jam on the Suez Canal. It's uh, over 400 meters. That's the Evergreen, a so-called mega ship operated by uh, the Taiwanese-based ba- uh, Evergreen. Uh, it became stuck in the middle of the Suez Canal. And uh, there's, a, there's a lot of memes that have made rounds on uh, social media. And of course, uh, this Evergreen is categorized as, a, as an ultra-large ship. They say it's uh, close to uh, four football pitches uh, for our uh, American friends, soccer uh, pitches. And uh, it, it just leaves all of us wondering. Uh, um, I think let me start with you, Dumi. Uh, this logistical nightmare in the wake of COVID-19, um, give me a sense of what this could actually mean on the logistical side. You know, so I've always posited that um, COVID-19 was a great disruptor to global supply chains because overnight countries locked and people had to rely uh, on their own other channels to get goods in. And then against that backdrop, this has a very significant impact uh, on the movement of uh, containerized goods between um, Asia to Europe and to the Americas or the other way around. In the process, it's disrupting supply chain again beyond the existing challenges that, you know, have been posed by uh, COVID. So you can imagine a country like, uh, say, uh, United Kingdom, uh, they import almost, uh, for example, uh, coconut milk, uh, syrups, uh, some spare parts for cars, uh, for forklifts, for trucks, Amazon goods, uh, all sorts of things. Um, And uh, all of this has been disrupted. And they are not able to access any of those things. Maggie, uh, one thing that we're going on about uh, before this was uh, the implication when it comes to uh, the, the, the oil prices, uh, not forgetting uh, liquid gas. Um, just give me your take on, on this in this particular, uh, again, I've said it before, logistical nightmare, but uh, impact for the likes of uh, resource exporting countries, you know, the likes of Nigeria. I mean, like Dumi has mentioned, um, the Suez Canal is very strategic, um, you know, uh, for global trade. And of course, uh, Egypt depends a lot on it. But also for, for example, in the case of Africa, uh, it connects uh, a lot of exporters to Europe, uh, Asia and, you know, the Americas. 
And uh, one of the things we've seen is that prices of oil have actually gone up. Um, a weeks ago, they went up due to COVID-19, but also um, these commodities getting stuck uh, on the Suez Canal is another blow to global trade. Uh, the numbers we're seeing is I think Egypt is losing 10 billion US dollars is held up each day. Uh, and if you think about how much goes through the Suez Canal, I think 12% of global trade, you're looking at a lot of products, a lot of traders, a lot of companies whose commodities are actually stuck. And we don't know for how long. Um, some analysts have said for more than a month, others have said a few weeks, but you know, nobody knows. So you can imagine that amount of money. And again, they've said about 300 other vessels are still in waiting. So it's such a huge nightmare, especially for logistics across the entire world. Right. Uh, of course, this uh, brings me to the other um, elephant in the room, which is uh, the, our, our inability to develop our uh, futures markets. Because uh, let's face it, if at all someone has already locked in the price for uh, maybe some of our listeners who might not understand the complexities of uh, futures, um, away from the, the traditional equities and traditional stocks and uh, asset classes. Um, if we had uh, a very robust futures market, then wouldn't be having this conversation because at the end of the month, at the end of the day, uh, regardless of when delivery is made, well, there is always a window. Uh, if our market was actually that developed, then wouldn't be having this conversation. But on occasion, at times like this, where delivery is not um, effected, because of such a catastrophe, again, we are uh, ripping the rewards of our almost non-existent futures market, do we? Yes, there is a great need for us as a continent to develop our own futures market as this uh, sort of cushions us from uh, things like this. But I'm also choosing to take a different uh, view around this whole debacle currently. Uh, and I'll tell you why. So we know the Suez Canal has always been uh, like Egypt's you know, pride and joy, over and above it being a source of international conflict, but it has always been that Egypt has been uh, so proud of. Uh, but a situation like this actually opens up uh, trade and business to so many other ports around the continent. Because imagine this situation, um, you are ship number 220 in line to cross the canal. You've got two options. You can stay there until this ship is um, uh, rescued from being aground. Uh, we don't know when that will be. Or you can go all the way to uh, the Cape of Good Hope, down to South Africa, and then up the Horn of Africa. So there will be refueling costs. There will be parking costs. Uh, there will be replenishing of um, uh, all the supplies that uh, the cruise ship use, which is good uh, for business around the, at the ports in the continent uh, i imagine a ship will probably have to fill up uh, maybe somewhere in namibia or in south africa uh, from there it must fill up again probably in kenya or tanzania but then hey that also brings in a different angle which is how safe are the waters uh, at the uppermost tip of the horn of africa so i guess that's a different angle as well to look at it i, I want to look at it in a different perspective Though for me, I think it shows how fragile supply chains can be. 
Africa, you know, especially is very dependent on the Western world for trade, um, for a lot of exporters, um, I think. And one of the things that we have heard or we know is that here in East Africa, you know, the coffee is going through the Suez Canal, the coffee that goes to Asia goes through the Suez Canal. So it shows how dependent we are on markets outside the continent, which could also uh, give us something to look at in terms of how to look for our own markets uh, within the continent and, and search for markets like the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement should be addressing these. So I want to look at it as an opportunity to open our eyes and say, you know what, we cannot depend on the outside world. We need to start looking for markets within Africa. So it's such a huge nightmare, but it's also an eye-opener, especially for trade within the continent. We cannot be that much dependent on exporting to, to outside the world. But again, also, uh, shipping has really kept the world going through the pandemic. I mean, a lot of vaccines, goods, uh, et cetera, have uh, you know, been uh, transported through water, especially when most countries shut down their borders due to the pandemic. So uh, something like this also shows how fragile um, you know, shipping can be. And I mean, nobody knows what the effect is going to do. Of course, you guys love numbers. We've seen the numbers are quite scary. But what if this goes on for over two months? What will the effect be? Of course, commodity prices are going to go up because a lot of traders are going to be affected. So it's, it's going to ripple down to the ordinary person. Mm. But uh, then again, speaking about this retrospectively, uh, this is not the first time this has happened. In uh, 2017, a Japanese ship actually got stuck, uh, but uh, they were lucky they were refloated within hours. Um, fast forward to uh, the port of Hamburg. I've personally been at the, the, the one in Hamburg on the River Alba. Uh, in 2016, there was another one. It took a, a staggering 12 tugboats to actually clear it. Um, there's now rumors of this having been a human error as opposed to what we're uh, hearing, that uh, this was actually wind. Um, are we putting so much impetus on the, the Suez Canal as it is? I know, yes, we've heard uh, 10% of global trade, actually maritime trade goes through there, yes. Uh, but, you know, is it time that uh, we went back to the drawing board, you know, just, just rethought all of this? Because I'm seeing estimates that uh, every day that that ship is actually lodged there, uh, close to 60,000 US dollars is lost by the day. I think um, uh, you and I, we are numbers people. Uh, and there's this thing uh, called make or buy decisions, right? Where you kind of have to weigh two things. Uh, take, for example, like, uh, a country in, um, uh, say, the Europe or the Americas. For them to actually um, bring in their goods and supplies and everything uh, via air, the cost is supposedly around three times more. Uh, so when you look at that to say, okay, do we incur um, 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 three times more of the cost, uh, which then means the selling price is also going to be higher, which means it's going to, you know, cost of living is going to be um, more expensive for people uh, who are already stretched, uh, what with all the COVID challenges going on, right? Uh, it then makes uh, sense to uh, probably for the meantime, continue using shipping. Uh, but I think uh, the Suez Canal Authority is actually learning more lessons right now on one, do they need to widen the canal as it is, or how can they prevent things like this from happening? Because before this, 
things were moving swiftly and smoothly. It looks like we're still stuck with Suez Canal for a bit. Either that or the Cape of Good Hope. Mm. Uh, Maggie, um, uh, a final question I think is coming to you. Uh, just in 2015, actually, uh, the Egyptian government uh, spent close to 8 billion US dollars uh, to expand the Suez Canal. You know, a huge event, as you can imagine. Uh, the dear president was there. And, you know, from such a massive expansion, I mentioned uh, the incident that happened uh, with the Japanese ship in 2017. Um what are your two cents going forward after such a huge expansion uh, less than seven years ago? I mean, my two cents, uh, uh, the Suez Canal, much as it's strategic, it's also a national pride for Egypt. Uh, historically, the country has fought for, for this canal. There's so much um, about it. Uh, I mean, President Sisi, when he took office, this is one of the things he put so much emphasis on expanding it. But again, it's also a big economic earner for Egypt. I think they bring in about, you know, five, is it five billion US dollars annually from the Suez Canal? So uh, for them, it's not just about the pride, but it's also a source of revenue and a, cont- a massive contribution uh, to the economy, uh, you know, annually. So yes, Um it's so much disturbing, especially looking at how much money they are losing on a daily. But it could be like Dumi said, an opportunity for other ports, or, you know, around the continent. And again, wherever there is a challenge or something like that, there is always an opportunity, especially for investors. And at this point, I, I would say it, it, it could open up, especially for the vessels that are stuck. The more than three hundred vessels that are still stuck on, you know, the canal. It should be able to awaken some investors or even these companies need to get their goods across. So, yes, there is an opportunity in discovering other routes. However dangerous they might be, like Domi said, you know, you're dealing with piracy and all of this. But, again, this always, I think, triggers investor minds to think further and see and see how goods can be moved now that, you know, uh, you know, there's this blockage that no one knows for how long it's going to be. Right. Um, do me. Well, I look at it from a point of view of, um, it's like an airport, right? There are some airports where an Airbus A380 can land, right? And there are some where it's, it can't land. It's just too big. Perhaps maybe in future they could put a restriction on the weight or the length or the cargo that's being carried. Uh, perhaps maybe say if you're carrying cargo or if you are if you exceed x length then you need to use a different route but i think that's the only thing um yes they did that event and they can't embark on another exercise to deepen the waters or do extra dredging or widen the berth or any of such um i think um there's only so much that might take on that Yes, uh, that's uh, all the time that uh, we did have for this episode of uh, the Weekly Beat. Of course, it's brought to you by Man. So if uh, you did miss anything in the course of uh, the week, you can always uh, just visit the website. That's uh, mansa.africa. As always, uh, many thanks to my co-presenters, uh, Dumi Jere, who's uh, in Eswatini today, and uh, Maggie Mutesi joining us from Nairobi, Kenya. I'm Arnold Sagawan, as always. Stay safe. Don't forget to wash your hands and sanitize. And uh, if you can, please wear two masks. Have a lovely one. The Weekly Beat by Mansa with your hosts, Arnold Segawa, Maggie Mutesi, and Dumi Jerry, giving you all the info on Africa's big finance and economic stories. The Weekly Beat by Mansa.